Hello everyone, welcome to episode 136 of the Enfocus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan, with me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello! And Tori Wassana. G'day! Uh, that was very Australian. Oh yeah? I, I think you just set Australians back 20 years with that. But... <laughs> <laughs> like they needed any help. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Make sure you warn that woman about the dingoes in her baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take this up with my Prime Minister. Uh-huh. Andy! <laughs> Could you buy some Zima while you're back there, too? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're uh, off format this week. Uh, we were unsure if last week's episode was going to be the penultimate one before the end of year special, and thus began our descent into the holiday festive break. Um, we did split up on the Previsio that uh, if Nintendo sprung a Nindies Direct, uh, we would reconvene and, and record anyway. Uh, that didn't happen, but I only went and bloody forgot about the Game Awards, didn't I? Uh, so yeah, there was a, a bunch of interesting announcements there. Uh, and, you know, we're not even going to bother with the, the interlude music. Sorry, Craig, we're just going to roll straight into the announcements and uh, and go over what was there and what we're interested in and uh, all that sort of jazz. So we'll start off. The first thing that was announced was Sea of Solitude Director's Cut. This was previously an Xbox and PC exclusive, I think. I don't know if it ever made it to PS4, uh, but the Director's Cut is exclusive to Switch. That's coming out on March 4th. Uh, this looks really cool. Uh, kind of reminds me of the the game Submerged, but it does uh, seem to deal with uh, monsters that you know look at being metaphors for mental health and uh, all that kind of thing. I think they mentioned talked about this at uh, E three a couple of years back. Looks really cool. I'm glad it's coming to Switch. Uh, what do you two make of this one? I must have missed this one because I came late. It was <laughs> <laughs> um, the first announcement, Tori. I know, and I missed. Every, I, I nearly missed the um, the smash announcement. That's how late I was. I'm going to have to look this one up afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to take a minute to quickly look at the trailer now? All right. Andrew, while Tori's doing that, what did you think? I thought this was going to be a like a survival game based on just the image, like the splash image for the game. Uh, I thought you know you'd be out in your boat and you'd be getting supplies and trying to avoid the monsters in the sea that are trying to eat you and then I looked at the trailer and it's like oh there's actually a lot more going here on here than that and it doesn't like there's actually any survival elements at all but it looked really cool uh this would definitely be something I would be interested in getting I probably will yeah it's got a definite um narrative look to it uh as far as I can tell from the trailers, I'd, I'd well, never bother with it on Xbox. It's a Quantic Dream game, which is the only thing yeah. that I'm like, uh. <laughs> the, the The important thing to note is that it doesn't look like David Cage is anywhere near this. Yeah. It seems to be the pet project of one of the other Quantic Dream stuff. <laughs> While we're waiting for Tori, let's talk about David Cage and Quantic Dream, the guy who made that Detroit Become Human game, whose central conceit is, what if robots were slaves? Um... Quick history lesson here. Robot <laughs> comes from the Polish word. I think it's Polish. I might be wrong. I'm going off the top of my head here. It goes from it's the Polish Czech. word Czech. It goes from the Czech word for roboto, which literally means slave. 
So his big conceit for his masterpiece of a game, uh, Detroit Become Human, is what if robots mean the thing that the word robot means? Yeah, but it's a poignant um, metaphor for real life slaves because all of the white robots, right? They represent... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, lo- I love that bit where someone asked him if it was, you know, like a commentary on America's history with slavery, and he said, no, it's about robots. Well, I just watched um, the trailer for um, Cinezola Dude. Yep. I'm into it. Um, I like, I've always liked that sort of striking art style between sort of metaphorical elements and the real world, mm-hmm. but it still looks consistent within it, within itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd probably give that a shot. As long as I make sure that David Cage had nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm still now in a, an angry mode about David Cage. Um, Beyond Two Souls uh, was basically uh, Forrest Gump, the video game, <laughs> where Elliot Page goes on just a a sequence of just ridiculous scenarios that have no interweaving storyline at all. Um, just... Yeah, utter drivel, um, and then like the whole conceit of uh, Iden, the ghost, which is just pronounced horribly. Uh, you know, they can do anything and be anywhere except this specific wall. Oh um, yeah, which yeah, the changes just, the distance sometimes. Yeah, just comically inconsistent. Uh, then you had uh, <laughs> heavy rain. Where, you know, the whole big plot twist was just possible because they hid a character's thoughts from a central mechanic. I guessed the plot twist to that game from the trailer. It was... (laughs) A, it was obvious. B, they used cheap tactics to hide the twist. Like, when you're playing as a character and you have a mechanic to read their thoughts, their thoughts shouldn't be in third person. Um, yeah. Mm. And you know, like Fa- was... Fahrenheit was good until the last third, or Indio Indigo <laughs> Prophecy, as they call it, where where an ancient civilization fights the internet. Bit on the nose now. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think that one holds up for that reason alone. <laughs> Heavy Rain was just like the original Sad Dad PlayStation exclusive. <laughs> Sean, with with, with 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 bonus horrifying teeth. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, and Jason. Jason, that was it. Jason. <laughs> Jason. Pre- press X to Jason. I always loved the ending where it had that glitch, where you can go through the entirety of the last chapter of him just screaming Sean, and you can hear him, like there's a part where he tackles the antagonist, and you can hear him from a mile away, just like Doppler effect Sean. It was that it made that game. There's that one cop that has experimental sunglasses for some reason. Oh, because video game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's Sea of Solitude. <laughs> uh, hopefully David Cage had nothing to do with that, but it does look very interesting. And, you know, someone else is the mouthpiece for it. I think it's their baby, so that makes that decision a little easier. Yeah. Um, next up was uh, another interesting-looking indie, Shady Part of Me, which is out now on Switch. Uh, I was very sorely... T- uh, attempted to pick this up, I do still have some Switch credit. A bit of a side-scrolling platformer across like Shadow Puzzler, where you uh, manipulate the size and uh, elements of your shadow to solve the puzzles. That looked really cool. Tori, I feel like this is right up your alley. It's. I'm, I'm like. I'm looking at the animation now. It. Um, 
I like that it's a different frame rate for the shadow compared to the mm-hmm. main character. But uh, it reminds me of this other game that was uh, Australian made, uh, Projected, Ooh, where it uses one. uses shadows for puzzle and platforming elements as well. Projected, okay. Yeah, I don't know that one. I think it was Projected mm, or sounds Projection. Familiar. I think it was Projection. Uh, it was an Apple Arcade exclusive at first. Okay. But it's on Switch now. Uh, and there was that uh, PS4 uh, game that they gave away on PS Plus on its like launch oh, month. But uh, it was first person, wasn't it? No, it was third person. Third but person. that had a lot to do with shadow manipulation. That was pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely interested in checking this one out. I think I might do that over the holidays. Uh, Andrew, any thoughts on that one? I thought this looked really cool, and like I would have gotten this already if I wasn't already invested in way too many games <laughs> right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to play more games before I buy new ones. It's it's a new policy I'm setting going forward. Uh, I'm going to fail miserably, but it's in my head now to no longer just just buy something just because I think it looks cool, even though I don't have time to play it. So, <laughs> zeitgeist, zeitgeist, zeitgeist. <laughs> we'll see how how that works <laughs> out. Uh, I'll probably get this on a good sale in the future, though. It looked really cool. Yeah, I've already added it to my wish list. Um, yeah, so next up was the big Smash announcement, uh, hyped up to all heavens beforehand. Uh, sadly, it was another case of Man with Sword comes to Smash. Uh, slightly more interesting. I will say that this is like the OG anime swordsman. Not the first, that's not what I mean. But this is like, <laughs> when they talk about edgy anime swordsmen, this is like one of the first ones that kind of really brought it into mainstream yeah i'm dead turn around it Sethroth from final fantasy 7 comes to smash uh nearly murdered mario um sakurai really hates mario doesn't he yeah he's kind of he's boring like, he, he's, he's like full-on murdered him three or four times mario's entire personality is yahoo <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't think you're understanding the hidden depths of uh of mario there's also it's a me oh and how could i forget you know his his many careers: carpenter, plumber, uh, whatever the hell he, he does now. Um, <laughs> he has a smile on his face while his heart is breaking. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that's that. Uh, Andrew, you weren't very interested in this one at all, or not enthusiastic at least. Yeah, no enthusiasm. Like, cause just the pool has been tainted for anime sword boys with down B counters. I'm just, I, I should like this cause I love final fantasy seven. I loved Sephiroth growing up. Like, you know, I, I was a teenage boy in the nineties. Of course I liked Sephiroth. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't feel it anymore. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, Sephiroth has had a long, a long time between the '90s and now, where he's gone through a lot of iterations that have also kind of, you know, compromised how how cool he used to be. That might be part of it, but just, I just, I'm not interested in any more sword users with down B counters. I want something more interesting than that, and that's exactly what I saw here. So, nope, they still haven't hooked me with this this fighter pack. Yeah, I feel like if he was in the last gen version of Smash. And they announced him as part of the pre-release stuff for that, you know, as part of the Everybody Comes, I'd be really happy about it. Mm. But for some reason, this just doesn't feel like as amazing as it could be. Maybe it's just because of what's just come before in terms of like Minecraft Steve and all that. You know, you think like 
anything's on the table and then yeah it's Sephiroth like they could have gone for a number of Final Fantasy heroes that were on Nintendo consoles way more interesting choices they could have made from the series definitely yeah so like I'm not angry about it and I get it and I like Sephiroth and I, I think he's a cool villain um but yeah it's not an exciting exciting announcement yeah like it might get more final fantasy 7 music which is fine like that was the big thing mm-hmm. i heard was like we're gonna get more final fantasy 7 tracks I was like you got like three of the best tracks from the game i don't know why you need any more than that but i guess people <laughs> want it which is fine it looks like he's also got the live stream wait cloud stage already was the life no no it wasn't it was midgar okay uh, excuse me while i think out loud here <laughs> it looks like his level is also the live stream so that could be pretty cool too hmm. Yeah, uh, so that's that. Uh, next up was uh, Open Roads, uh, a combo effort from Fulbright and Annapurna Interactive. Uh, coming soon to consoles. It didn't explicitly say Switch, but I listed it because consoles implies that it probably will be. Um, obviously going to be a new narrative adventure based on the previous works of the developers. Focuses on uh, two young women on a road trip trying to find the secret of uh, one of them's grandmothers who had a book with a key hidden in it. Um, you know, I'm always, you know, after Gone Home, I'm always interested in, in what Fulbright produce. I haven't got to Tacoma yet, but uh, yeah, this one looks really cool. I like the art style, uh, the mix of the 3D visuals with the hand-drawn characters, and it's got that slight, it's almost like stop-motion animation, but not quite. Um, yeah, that that was really appealing. I can't wait to see more of that. Um, didn't stand out to me. I just, I think that these sort of story-focused games, I kind of struggle to get too into mm-hmm. which is a bit of a shame but I just it's a concentration thing i guess but usually you can knock them out in one sitting or one or two settings so that that's always good like i've I played gone home three times and it's always just been over the course of a couple of hours <laughs> i do like the art style though yeah the art style looks really nice uh, Andrew? Didn't make much of, a, of an impression on me. Mostly what I noticed was the actresses they've got playing the main characters, because they're like, they're like big-name Hollywood actresses, so mm-hmm. that was cool. But yeah, um, God, there was that detective game that came out multi-platform back in 2016. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, it reminded me of that game. <laughs> this is completely useless commentary. <laughs> I think I know which one you're on about, and I can't remember what it's called yeah, either. It, it had a box at the end that they never opened, and that annoyed me. <laughs> made me go Brad Pitt in 7 and uh, <laughs> shoot if I can remember what that game was <laughs> it was a weird game uh, it reminded me of that I remember coming away really frustrated and not getting it yeah I, I liked uh, yeah. it and then I was like what <laughs> let me look up what this game was so this is this entire segment isn't completely useless uh <laughs> Remember, I said we had no format. You can't complain. Virginia was the name. That's the one. Yeah, that game. I knew it was named after some American place. Yeah. I liked it. And uh, of all the... That, I, I immediately thought of Virginia, except for the name, obviously, when I saw the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be cool. Cool. The next one, they didn't confirm a Switch port during the show. They only... Sh- said that it was coming to PS4 and PS5, uh, and then I had to find out on Twitter that no, it is indeed coming to Switch. Mm-hmm. Disco Elysium, Final Cut, very excited about this one because I've heard nothing but good things, uh, which is kind of like a isometric, almost like a, like the Beam Dog 
D&D games yeah. where you make lots of decisions, but it's meant to be very introspective and the storyline is the star rather than, you know, elements of the combat or, or whatever. Well, like, it, it shows um, yeah. fighting in the trailer, but what I understand, it, it that's, like, all scripted stuff. It's part of what happens in the story depending upon the dialogue prompts you pick. There's no real, like, actual infinity engine combat in this but the rest mm-hmm. of the story is basically like an, an infinity engine dialogue driven puzzle game kind of like if you took planescape and took out all the combat that's kind of what disco elysium is to the best of mm-hmm. my understanding i've never played it but i have had people confirm that yes that's what that is and the character writing is meant to be amazing mm-hmm. and and in some ways is meant to say more about yourself than than the characters that they've written so yeah looking forward to that one tori uh no um <laughs> something about isometric games just kind of put me off like i feel too detached from the game world but uh, i've heard nothing but good things about it so i kind of feel like i should just at least have a look at it but like my disinterest in it is to the point where i keep calling it disco asylum in my head <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> i'm sorry if you're a fan of the game <laughs> It's it's not intentional. That's all right. She'll give in to peer pressure towards the, the release, I'm sure. Um, Disco deserves Asylum. It got very badly mistreated. It didn't deserve the way it got cast aside. <laughs> uh, so moving on. Uh, well, then you've just ruined the next announcement, then, Tari. I know. I'm sorry. Thanks for that. Uh, Endless Dungeon, um, which is an isometric co-op shooter. Uh, no release window mentioned. I liked the visuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't really comment. It's not usually my sort of uh, game, this sort of co-op isometric thing. But uh, you know, I could be swayed into taking a look at this one. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know if it. Whenever I see games like this now, I automatically assume they're going to be roguelikes, but there was no evidence of that. There. Uh, it's hard to tell. Like, it, it definitely has as like it clearly shows in the trailer. A mechanic of the game is when you die, you respawn at the start, and it sounds like it's probably going to be procedurally generated. So, like, as the meaning of roguelite continues to drift further and further away from <laughs> games that are like rogue, uh, it, it basically seems like it's going to be the the current definition of a roguelite. So close enough I mean, which is even mo- modern indie game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> permadeath proc gen dungeon crawler is a, is a roguelike today that's what that means now i hate that but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be too obnoxious about it because then people won't listen to me <laughs> uh yeah uh tori nah sorry <laughs> okay keep, i thought this was cool definite yes from me Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it um, and see what the, the views are nearer the time. Uh, next up uh, was Evil Dead the Game uh, from Saber Interactive, uh, who have done pretty decent Switch ports before, I think. They did Witcher 3. Uh, def- they did amazing Switch yeah, okay. ports. I, I, I knew they were attached to one big... of uh, Sorry, one of the big impressive ports, and I, I couldn't remember which. So Yeah, so that is cool. Uh, looks a lot like Dead by Daylight. Um, but obviously set in the the evil dead world where you'll play as Ash and the generic survivor people uh, combating the evil dead. Um, that's coming in 2021. Uh, I, I like the evil dead movies. Um, I haven't seen the remake or uh, season two of the 
the Ash TV show, but yeah, I like the originals a lot. And you know, on that virtual, give it a look. Um, I imagine it is definitely just going to be kind of similar to Dead by Daylight, but obviously, mm. uh, the way that evil works in the Evil Dead is that you know it possesses people and they can come at you en masse. So that would be a change up to that um, that format, the the asymmetrical format. Uh, Andrew, I thought more Left for Dead when I saw this. Than mm, Dead by Daylight. Yeah, that's a good show. Like, uh, that's a very good show. Yeah, um, I don't have any particular attachment to the Evil Dead series. Like, you know, I like Ash because he's always referenced in other things, but that's mostly where I've seen him. I, <laughs> I saw the first three Evil Dead movies when I was a kid, and I've seen Army of Darkness a couple times since. That's pretty much the extent of my relationship with the series. Uh, no, no real excitement for this from me. Sorry. It looks like it's going to be right up my alley. I haven't seen the Evil Dead movies, and that's just more of a virtue of me not watching many movies, but everything that I've seen about the the franchise and the characters and just how crazy it all looks, I think I'd really like it. Army of Darkness is a really funny movie. Okay. Yeah, it's, they, they, they get goofier as they progress, and... Um, thinking about the first movie compared to the second movie so the first one was an indie indie horror yeah the second one is it calls itself a sequel but it's kind of a remake it's, it's almost like yeah the movie version of a video game sequel where it's the same basic <laughs> format mother and mother but, too <laughs> yeah it's a remake um, but it's it's funnier okay yeah yeah it he, he gets a bit funnier and then the third one is just you know it's an outright comedy <laughs> yeah it's it's just full-on funny um i really and, like uh, things like that where it knows what it is and it doesn't take itself too seriously because of it like games yeah. that know that they're games but so they just kind of don't even bother explaining this that and the other in in whatever and movies that do the same that just like let's just have fun here like, and if if you've got any attachment to the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, like oh, you yes, would watch the right. originals and you would go, oh, okay, that's why he does that camera shot. Oh, that that's why he does that look. Yeah. That's why Bruce Campbell's in every single one as, as a different character. Um. <laughs> and that's why I'm kind of looking forward to uh, the next Doctor Strange movie, which Sam Raimi is directing and is supposed to have more of a horror bent to it. So, you know, knowing he did nice. the Evil Dead movies, you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable with the next Doctor Strange movie. I think the best horror movies are the ones where they're like, this might not be that scary, so let's just mm-hmm. be stupid. <laughs> yeah, like The Mummy is one of my favorite. Like the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie, which is really more mm-hmm. of an Indiana Jones movie, is one of my favorite horror movies. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, going from one spooky thing to another. Uh, they, wow, they ordered this really well for podcasters. Um <laughs> The Ghosts and Goblins remake uh, coming 25th of February 2021. Right, when they showed the trailer, I thought, this looks great. It looks like an UbiArt game. <sighs> and then when I saw the stills, it looks really ugly. So now I can't decide on whether I, <laughs> I like it or hate it. I have no so. attachment to the original. Yeah, I've never played it. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure someone's happy about this one at least. I don't know anybody who is. Like, Ghosts and Goblins, the original, was one of the first video games I ever played. Um, obviously, I didn't make it very far, because this is an infamously hard <laughs> game, but it was one of the first games I ever played. Um, yeah, one of the comments I saw said, can't wait to get this and quit after the first level again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's a remake... Yeah, I, I thought it was more like a reboot. Like, that. I 
it just looked like a really faithful mm. thing. But I guess it's kind of like the Wonder Boy. Mm-hmm. Sort of That's remake. what I was getting from it. Yeah, but the yeah. Wonder Boy remake looked really good. And I'm talking like graphically. <laughs> this game looks really yeah. cheap. Like it looks like those <laughs> games you buy for 99 cents that are flash animated and they just took the characters mm-hmm. and just deformed their legs to animate them instead of actually, you know, drawing new art assets. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's, that. It's it looks, done in flash. Yeah, it looks bad. Uh, as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh. It looks like Capcom Yikes. approved this just so they can get people to stop asking for a remake, but I don't know if anyone was asking for a remake or a reboot of the series. Like, you can play the original on the NES app. You can play Super Ghosts and Goblins on the Super NES app. I, I don't know what is the need for this thing to even exist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm undecided. It's just how the, my, my different... Uh, viewpoint from seeing it in motion to seeing the stills it's just like wow that's not the same thing that i was looking at um yes yeah, so, uh, another capcom announcement is that capcom arcade is coming to switch includes 1943 the battle of midway a uh, classic top-down shooter uh, as part of the pack and then you buy other games as dlc uh, that comes out february 21 i mean there are other ways to play these games although paying separately for them it's a presentation thing isn't it yeah i i don't know how much each game is going to be as well like that that's a concern instantly with that sort of setup because i've seen that abused before at least you get to kind of like pick and choose your own value out of it but it's Mm -hmm. not going to actually be like that yeah exactly like it looks like it's going to be good for the consumer but yeah i I think this is just another retro cash grab ultimately like i've got a lot of their games as part of arcade collections on the psp you know and like (laughs) i got them for 20 bucks surely it's going to have street fighter in there and they already have a street fighter collection yeah sure i don't know well not mega man i don't know if mega man was an arcade release and and they've got a beat em up collection which has you know (laughs) final fight and all that sort of stuff uh so yeah uh, andrew any interest from you well this reminds me more of the the pinball platforms that are on the switch mm, like you know you, that's a yeah that's a good comparison yeah like you download it it's free download to get you know the thing that lets you play everything and it comes with one free thing this one comes with 1943 which is a shmup and i'm immediately falling asleep just describing it but uh some people really like shmups like, great for them uh <laughs> i'd have to look at what's in it and how much it costs uh but like you said there, there's already compilations of most of capcom's good arcade games out there that are probably a better value uh but if you're like a collector or if you just would prefer to just buy things piecemeal one at a time rather than buying a whole compilation this might be a better option for you it, it i think it's fine that yeah. it's there yeah you know i mean if they'd have announced the capcom arcade uh, complete you know, and it's boxed and it comes, you know, as a physical copy, I probably would have bought that. Um, Imagine it coming but, with like a little switch stand um, arcade cabinet or something. Yeah. That'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, there's heaps of creative stuff they could do with it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's uh, February 21. I think I already said that, but never mind. Worth reiterating. Uh, Capcom again. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise. There's a demo coming January 2021. I wish they'd have launched the demo on the on the day. Yeah, I I, I love when they have announcements and there's stuff to do. 
you reckon there's <laughs> going to be like a sort of direct in January that this will be a available today thing for? Or Probably. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. It could also um, just shadow drop one day. Yeah, and I'm sorry to say, like, when uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate came out on Switch, uh, I played <laughs> it for a couple of weeks. I got it. I bounced off it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I've tried this series four times now over multiple generations. I think I'm going to give up. And then uh, this one looks like more accessible, uh, more friendly. I like a lot of the new mechanics. And now I'm like, mm, this might low key be one of my uh, most anticipated games for next year. I, I hope it works for you. Again. <laughs> um, now, because I got a. Uh, because I got the PS5, I get the PS Plus collection thing and Monster Hunter World. Uh, World. Yeah, that's the one. Sorry, I was blanking on the the subtitle. Monster Hunter World is on that. Uh, so, you know, I should give that a go because everyone tells me that's the one to try. Um, so I, I know most are hopeful that this one is taking lessons from World. Uh, the other thing that dampens my excitement for the demo is that the Monster Hunter demos are never... Yeah representative of the core experience monster hunter we, generations we had, uh, like, ultimate demo was terrible oh my gosh yeah we 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 had a big chat about that last time um just didn't represent the game at all so uh tori are you a monster hunter fan yeah i've never finished one but yes who has, has seriously um, <laughs> i think world is the one that i got the furthest in uh like past halfway at least they've they've the sort of games where it feels almost like a part-time job, mm. <laughs> which I kind of, I actually do appreciate it in this one because it is a sort of do a mission, take a couple of hours, that's it for like a week. Mm-hmm. I actually like that rather than just feeling like you're always grinding. Because if you try to grind in a Monster Hunter game, I feel like if you're not used to grinding in games, you're going to burn out. But um, it feels like Monster Hunter Rise is kind of taking that more... I, I always judge a game by how you traverse the world. And it looks like they've done a great effort to kind of streamline that, where you've got that sort of parkour-looking stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it was a grappling hook, wasn't there? Yeah, it was kind of like a weird magical grappling hook thing. Yeah. I think that if the traversal in a game is good, that they've actually taken care to how a game feels to play. Um, and, and I think that's why a lot of people bounce off Monster Hunter is just the weapons, you know, your your animation locked a lot of the time with your mm-hmm. combos. Um, and there's a lot of timing for like where the hitboxes are going to be and where when you're vulnerable and when they're vulnerable, yada, yada, yada. It just looks like this time around they've gone like, how do we just make the game more fun now? Mm-hmm. Moment to yeah. moment. Yeah. I, I feel like they have made a big effort now to make it more accessible with World and ho- hopefully the signs from this. But uh, yeah. Well, I, I'll see how disappointed I am <laughs> uh, come January. <laughs> Gonna hunt a Jaggy uh, again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last up, uh, Ruined King, a League of Legends story uh, coming in 2021. I have zero experience with League of Legends. Um, it looked kind of cool, but. I don't think there's going to be anything here for me. Um, also, the the combat looked really confused. Like it looked like there was turn-based, like almost JRPG-style sections, and then live action 
moments. I I couldn't tell what was going on. Um, Andrew, you've played League of Legends before? No. Mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> any interest in this one? Well, like you, I couldn't really make much sense of what was going on with the combat, but I still thought it looked cool. And like, you know, Riot has this game that's like 12, 13 years of characters and like oh, literally all they've had this whole time is League of Legends. So I'm interested to see them, you know, putting these characters in other situations and exploring, you know, stories around them that are happening outside of fighting over three lanes in a forest you know I, I, that could be cool uh, but i i have no investment with this series with this franchise or with any of these characters so they could do pretty much anything and i wouldn't be disappointed uh it, so it's all going to come down to you know how good those combat systems are and that mm. remains to be seen it's just a, a world that i've never been interested in but high fantasy mm-hmm. typically is a hard genre to sell to me. Um, just the name, Ruined King. I stopped there before I saw the subtitle of a League of Legends story. I remember when I used to be like that. It's it's just... High fantasy can be very, very, very tropey. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> sometimes it can feel like you've watched or played one installment or a movie, a game, whatever... You've played them all. And that's not yeah. always the case. It's just, yeah, the the nuances are kind of not always on the surface. It's that's just a really roundabout way to saying, no, I'm not that interested. <laughs> cool. So anyway, that, that was it from the, the Game Awards. There was one announcement that came out just beforehand, and that was the uh, Western release date for Persona 5 Strikers. That's yes. coming 23rd of February. Uh, it is obviously a Persona 5 Muso. And, uh, yeah, uh, so I'm not a Muso fan, but I am a Hyrule Warriors fan. Um, so for me, the strength, my interest in a Muso depends entirely on the franchise it's aligned with, so this is probably one I will check out. So I've but, played the Japanese demo. Oh, yeah? Do you know how Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity kind of felt more aligned with Breath of the Wild than Muso in certain aspects? Mm-hmm. Yep. This is doing the same thing, but with Persona 5. Okay. Um, there's well, dungeon I, crawling. I... Uh, there's spells. It it feels very personary with just the Muso sort of base plate. <laughs> okay. Well, you've uh, you've helped me feel a bit better about that then. Um, Andrew, uh, from memory, you haven't played Persona Five. No. Would you bother with this? Not until I've played Persona Five, because I'm not gonna have any idea what's going on and. It's gonna sound like it's gonna spoil Persona Five for me, so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, like just on that aspect alone, you know, and having absolutely nothing else to do with, you know, how every Musou game except Hyrule Warriors has been a disappointment to me. Uh, <laughs> just no, <laughs> not 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 right now. Maybe if they ever port Persona Five to Switch and I finally play it, or if they ever sell it for ten dollars on playstation 4 and then i i somehow find the time to play it <laughs> then maybe but not right now the good thing is it's a sequel to the base peers uh, uh persona 5 not royal so oh well i haven't played royal so that works in my favor then. why is there a <laughs> difference between the two freaking anime games it's not so much a big difference in story it's just that royal has an extra chapter that's basically it 
the the last thing that game needed was an extra chapter. Like I spent 190 hours playing that game. <laughs> the extra chapter doesn't take long, and I think it was worth it. But playing through that game twice effectively was just a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Persona Four is the only one I'll happily replay oh. over and over again. I, I love Five. I'm, but... I'm playing that over the break. Finally, <laughs> yeah. And I, I've uh, had it on Vita I, for four years, and I still haven't played it. So that's, so that's kind of where I'm at on Persona Five. Where if I ever got it, it would probably be the same situation. It's like, yeah, I own it. I don't know when I'm gonna play it, but I own it. My, my thing with the Persona series was um, it was at a phase when I was still in the old JRPGs of the same mentality, you know, like spiky hair, big swords, yep, yada yada yada, um, and then it just because it's got the the calendar rhythm um, and like the real life settings yeah the 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 social aspects in between like it just completely shook up that genre mm. for me so i was just like yeah okay i'm, I'm back <laughs> it, it, it's like an introductory weeb game for sure mm-hmm. um i'm yeah. interested in shin megami 5 so much more because i was a persona fan <laughs> yeah so yeah so that's that um and that's probably it for the show then um Worth saying, you know, Nintendo could still surprise us with a Nindies Direct. If that happens, we will probably be back next week before the end of year episode. Uh, if not, I think that's us done for the year, so you can look forward to the end of year episode coming out just before Christmas, I think. Uh, depends how quickly Craig can edit it all together. Um, and yeah, um, in that case, we'll see you in January. If there's a Direct, we'll see you next week. Okay, thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows. We're all part of the game Podular Network. Uh, there's PlayState, uh, whose next episode I might be on, uh, time zones permitting. Uh, there are PlayStation Podcast and Power of X, which is uh, an Xbox podcast. Make sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively game Podular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all that are in the show notes. If you want to support our network and, you know, by token our show, you can buy us a coffee or you can become a GamePodular Patreon. Details for both of these things are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, this episode was edited by me, Andy Corrigan. You can follow me on Twitter at FlameRoastToast. Uh, and you can also follow Andrew and Tori there on Twitter. Uh, Andrew is at PlayCritically and Tori is at Stew2. That's S-T-W-T-W-O. Stew2.